Hi, you're listening to the Raise the Vibe with Liz podcast. I'm your host, Liz Peterson. I interview today's inspirational speakers and healers. Thank you for listening to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm your host, Liz Peterson, and today I have my friend, Robert Reed, joining me today. Robert and I met recently at a ISTA retreat in Arizona, and I'm so excited that he's decided to join me about this topic. We're going to be talking about why cheaters cheat (laughs) today. Robert, hi. Thanks for joining me. I love being introed like that. Why cheaters cheat? Robert, you're next. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, we're going to talk all about this. (laughs) Exactly. I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. So great meeting you at the workshop. And your lovely wife was my buddy. So that was fun. Tell her I said hi. I will. Really loving this topic that you brought to me. And I think it's interesting because... I have a history of dating men who cheat Um, throughout my whole entire life, ever since high school. And my husband of 20 years also did. And I've had this healing journey of trying to heal my inner self, that part of me that actually attracts that into my life. Mm -hmm. So I love that you approached me about this topic. I think that that is not a coincidence. Not at all. Not at all. I just, for lack of a better term, it's like cathartic. It's like literally I, what I've learned is that anything that I don't want to share, like I really need to share it. And although that I feel like I am not that same person anymore, I know that those, one of the things I listened to Louise Hay, she had the best thing that really had me want to talk about this. When people say they're over something, And then they get mad that this same thing comes up again. And she's like, well, how would you know if you're over it if it didn't come back again? I love her. So to me, these situations, I feel like I'm past that part of cheating and I'll go into like reasons and stuff and not excuses, but reasons. So that way it can maybe bring clarity to the audience out there. But it doesn't mean that I don't still have those same feelings. It doesn't mean that those still temptations don't come up again. It just means it's an opportunity for me to show that I'm done with that, that I've moved past that. Nice, Robert. So 11 years, you've been in online marketing consulting world, Mm -hmm. focusing on social media marketing management and training. Mm -hmm. So what was it that brought you right here to me? What was your journey to now? Wow. Um, Well, my journey to started really with landmark education. I don't know if anybody's heard of it out there, but like, I never had an idea before then that there was actually a freedom in like, I didn't have to live in shame. I grew up in church. I grew up very religious home. And one of the things that we, I think was just innately put in us is like the shame, the wrong of this is wrong to do this is shameful. So like I grew up in really a shame atmosphere. And um, before I was even going to meet with you to talk with you today, I was trying to look at the origin of it. And I think what I found was really great. This conversation has brought up a lot of things for me to really get to the origin of it. I think 
for me personally, I can't speak for anybody out there and I won't speak for any other men who are cheating. I can maybe give some anecdotes to maybe to get to the depth of what, why men cheat or why women cheat. But I really realized at a young age, I got, you know, like, let's say your father's an athlete, right? Your father's a baseball player. And let's say at the age of six, you show some promise in baseball. Well, you're getting positive reinforcement that you're good in baseball, correct? Yes. Well, well, with me at a young age, I got positive reinforcement with women. And so that was the feeling that I loved feeling. I got that feeling like, oh, well, this is, that was my drug per se to feel better, to feel complete. And so when I looked at like from a young age, even from 12 years old, I, 12 and 13 years old growing up in this church, I had older women who were always attracted to me. And it was because I was very um, outgoing, obviously, very outgoing, very uh, intelligent, articulate, very witty. And, um, and I think they were dealing with issues too, because they shouldn't be talking to an older, younger man, but a uh, younger boy. But that was where I got a lot of positive reinforcement for who I was, was from women. And so extrapolate that out without education, without um, parents really telling me about sex. My parents were like, uh, took the opinion, took the, um, took the uh, strategy of, God, I'm going to pray for him. Please, um, please just heal him, help him, help him. But they're not going to tell me about sex. They're not going to tell me about all those little things. They're just hoping that God will save me, right? <laughs> that God will protect me. And, um, and due to the, that, that me never being educated in that way and then constantly feeling like, okay, there was always some things that I felt like were holes. We all feel like we have holes. And when we're younger, you know, we fill it with whatever, some drugs, some, some with determination, some with um, achievements. But with me, it was with women. And going into that relationship, desiring that female um, approval, that female love, like, oh, you're doing good, you're good in bed, you're good this, like all of these things, I felt like really grew over the years that brought me to here. So going back to my journey, really where it started to get to the bottom of this was really around landmark education, where I realized like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong, actually. It's not a right or wrong. It's just a choice. And so that was my first indoctrination. And maybe like this shame thing really isn't something that is really me. Now, I still went through even after Landmark. I was, I was married um, in 2000. From 2002, I, was, I met my wife in 2000. Till 2007, we were dating. 2008, we got married. And then we got divorced in 2016. And we got divorced because I cheated. Um, and she had, I mean, I really think that she knew I was cheating because there was, you know, there was things. And then finally I got caught. I was really super sloppy. I really looked back at it. Like, um, I think I wanted to get caught. You know, it was one of those things. It's like, I feel like something inside me wanted to get caught because I didn't want to feel this way anymore. I didn't want to do this. And I had no idea how to change my behavior. I had no idea how to do anything differently. And so me doing landmark, understand the shame. And then, okay, all right, I'm going to move past this. I'm just going to try to grin and bear it. I'm going to try to toughen it up. I'm going to use willpower and I'm not going to cheat. But that hungry, that hungry ghost who wanted that attention could never get enough fed by others, but I still kept trying to get it from others. Um, so ended up uh, married, getting divorced in 2016. And then it became an opportunity for me to go on my own journey. And that own journey was really me looking at all of the shame and guilt of me being a guy who cheated as a family, but yet I loved her. I was so confused because 
I was in love. I am in love with her, but yet I was cheating. I couldn't understand what was going on. Like, and, and nobody could tell me that I didn't love her. Nobody could tell me that she wasn't the most special person to me. Nobody could tell me that my heart was with her, but yet I still could not stop exhibiting these behaviors, you know? Um, and 2016, uh, you know, when I got divorced, I went buck wild, you know, like went and dated everybody, fucked everybody, um, <laughs> did, did all I could do, had a relationship with a woman who was opposite of my wife, who was a sex fiend, and she wanted to fuck all the time. So I'm like, all right, I like this, you know, but then that really wasn't fulfilling. Then I dated another girl, dated another girl. And then finally, I went to start going counseling. I started um, seeing a counselor and really looking at the core issues that I was dealing with and what, and I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you like two years ago, this was an epiphany about shame because shame and guilt are like the lowest of vibrations. This is what I learned. And being in that shame and guilt, I'm telling you, man, I parented out of guilt. I parented out of shame. I um, dealt with myself out of shame. Everything was like guilty. Like I couldn't I couldn't put a rule in because I was shameful. Like, well, I don't deserve that because I've done this in my life. So it was just a repeating cycle, but I never knew the word was shame. And when I, uh, after six months of being in counseling with uh, my counselor and got to the bottom of it being shame, and I didn't know the anecdote for shame. This is what blew my mind, Liz. The anecdote for shame was compassion. Oh, wow. How could I have compassion for, some, for the shame? And I never understood. And when I really got that compassion was what would um, alleviate the shame, I really realized having compassion for myself. Now think about it. If I'm guilty and I'm shameful, the last thing I want to do is have compassion for myself. Because I, I just want to be in the world of something's wrong with me. You know, like something's wrong because I really thought something was wrong. I thought that there was something innately wrong with me. I'm taking a deep breath because I can feel some of that coming up still to this day, uh, feeling like something's wrong with me. And the great thing about it is it doesn't have to exhibit itself in sexual behavior. It can exhibit itself in, you know, me not being able to get the client that I wanted, you know, or me not doing that, that there's something wrong with me. It just doesn't go in that one area. And so um, I've always thought like, wait, once a cheater, is it always a cheater? And I've asked, I've asked myself that. And I really thought that it was once a cheater, always a cheater. And I 100% don't believe that now. And the reason why I don't believe that for myself is because the, if you understand the reason why you're cheating, then you don't have to cheat anymore. The issue is like not understanding why I'm exhibiting these behaviors. And I had to do a lot of work, which I will continue to talk about, you know, in a little bit, a lot of work to get to the core of what had me exhibit these behaviors. Man, that's a big belief system. And I want to get to that core, but I also first want to say like, it's okay for someone to find someone else attractive, right? Or it's okay to receive that information from someone, oh, someone's finding me attractive. But what is it that makes you go the extra you know, and pursue it. Mm -hmm. Well, what makes me go extra pursue it is because I don't understand that I can get that same feeling from that, that there, there's not an end goal. It's so funny how all of this is just related to life, right? Like living life in the present moment without trying to have an end goal. Well, when I get the compliment or someone finds me attractive, I feel like, 
oh, I have to penetrate. I have to do this because there's an end goal. And when I realized that that was the feeling of the attraction is what I wanted, but more than anything, I just wanted to be disciplined enough to take it in, love it, appreciate it, and then let it go. You know, but it was a discipline that I couldn't show that really had me repeating the same behaviors again. Yeah, because that's really a cycle. Oh my God. You know, that wanting to penetrate, that wanting to succeed, you get the catch, you know, Mm -hmm. that, um, and it's often like charisma and oozing sexuality and, you know, feeling attractive to the other person and feeding on those emotions. So what is it deep down, like in your core, those core issues? Let's dive into those. Well, I think the biggest core issue was, um, dealing with my relationship with my mom, you know, and things that I found out when I was younger that I really blocked out, which was the core of the shame. Um, things that happened to me that I feel like um, I did not want to get because it was so painful. You know, sometimes it's, it's better to be shameful than feel the pain, really, because I'd rather feel the shame than the pain. Because the pain was unknown. Like, how do I get through that? Like, I didn't want to get to that core of the pain. And it's almost like you ask somebody on a date, it's never as bad as when you ask them as it is in your mind before you ask them. And it's how I felt about the unknown of dealing with this pain. It's like, it it was so big in my mind that I didn't want to deal with it. And then when I finally dealt with that stuff, my mom and all of those things, it wasn't as big as I thought it was. And what it was, it was just an opening for me to be able to connect. And all of the desire that I really wanted, bottom line, was just to connect authentically with love and connect that. And I, and I didn't know that the key to connecting was me getting to the bottom of those things so then I could open up fully and connect because that was the desire. It wasn't to connect physically, it was a connect with myself emotionally. Right. To go a little bit deeper into belief systems and patterns, right? Mm -hmm. So is that a core of um, not feeling loved or not feeling worthy or, you know, seeking out proof that you are lovable? Mm -hmm. Totally. And the not feeling worthy part was if I put a little not feeling worthy um, template over my life, all of my decisions were made out of not feeling worthy. The conversations I wouldn't have, even to share with my wife about my desires that I had. Because I feel like if I would have been strong enough to share with her my desires, maybe I wouldn't have cheated, but I wasn't strong enough. And I looked for every excuse for her to say something or for her to say something to validate what I was doing. You know, like, well, see, she doesn't love me or she wants somebody else or all of these things that I would say just to validate where I was at so I would not have to be responsible about the pain and the things that were going on underneath. I could just blame others for it. And my core belief when I was younger was that there was right or wrong. You're a sinner or you're, um, or you're okay. You know? And those things that I piled in my head were just evidence. I saw so much evidence in my everyday life of those things being valid. And to break those belief systems, it's like, I, I, I'm not, I haven't broken them yet, Liz. Like, I'm like, I'm breaking them as we speak 
but this is not somewhere I've arrived to. Like I can say, you know what? I'm so sexually well-rounded now and uh, I don't make those mistakes anymore. Um, I've grown so much. No, um, it's really where I have to make the choice every day. Like what is more important to me? Like my freedom and being able to live in this world without guilt or shame or the temporary desire that I get from fulfilling a hole that I know is not going to ultimately feed what I'm committed to in my life. Mm. So I ha I'm weighing these things out in every conversation. I'm weighing these things out in the morning time. I'm weighing these things out. And I've gotten stronger at it because I feel like I've been willing to do the work. And that's the whole thing. If cheaters will cheat forever if they're not willing to do the work. Yeah. And it really yeah. is work. It's, it's recognizing it, knowing what it is and working with it. It's work. Like literally it is fucking work. And for anybody to tell you that, Oh, I just worked through this and I feel better. No, it is a job. It is something that if you're trying to advance yourself in your career, you put the same energy towards that advancing yourself emotionally. That's how much work it is. It's 40, 40 hours a week of work, but then the rest of the time, 40 hours a week, you go to work, right? The rest of the time is how you're working in your life. So that's another 89 hours a week, right? That you're really working emotionally to work that, you know? And so it's a, it's a matter as if you desire it or if you don't. What I had to get out of it was, it wasn't wrong if I did it. Can you get that? Mm -hmm. Like, if I wanted to cheat, I wasn't wrong for cheating. I was not wrong for cheating. People can't get that, that this was not me being wrong for cheating. What it was is I was making choices that were detrimental to my growth. And I feel like the universe does not want that. God does not want that for us. So if we get caught in the right or wrong, to me, that is, that was the, the veil in which I could not penetrate because I couldn't get past the right or wrong. I had to remove the right or wrong and then look at it. What is beneficial? What am I committed to? And then I could get there. But as long as I was dealing it was wrong and he was, she was wrong or I was wrong and I'm this, then I could never get to the core, which would really start the healing. Mm. Can you go into that a little bit deeper? About the right or wrong? Yeah. yeah. Because that right there, and I saw your face too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I saw your face, and it's 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 so probably doing the same thing. So let's unwrap <laughs> that a little bit more. <laughs> because once we attach something being right or wrong, then it goes off on the tangent of it being wrong. It goes off on the tangent of it's like you got your path right here, right? As soon as you go right or wrong, you're going off the long. You got to go all the way around about way to get back to the path again. Because when you're assessing, judging, analyzing something from a disempowering context and looking at it as wrong, how can you heal? Mm. Okay, I see. Because most people would say, I'm wrong. Um, I hurt Tarly. I did this to her. I look at it like I was making choices that hurt me more than anybody. You know how many cigarettes I smoked in that years of being guilty 
you know, and that the the pain, the things that I put my body through, the example I led for my kids of the pain, it's not even the example of me cheating. It's the example of what I was doing to myself, the example of how I was piling on, like the pain and how I would react to them, how I would react to myself, how I couldn't be with them, how I couldn't be connected to them. All of that stuff had nothing to do with right or wrong. It was just, that is a, that is a, detrimental way to live life. It sounds like a state of self-sabotage where you're creating all these scenarios in your life to validate your initial wound. Mm-hmm. And to validate and to and to, um, cover it up so I won't have to really get to it. Mm. And I, I think one of the things that is uh, really missed in the conversation of cheating is the natural desire for us to want to be connected to others. And what we've been taught in throughout society of what being connected to others is, for instance, like it's wrong to be connected to a woman to have that feeling. You shouldn't have that feeling if you're with one woman. You should not be attracted to other women. You should walk down the street and you should not feel that. And if you do feel that way, something's wrong. Hmm. I actually disagree with that belief. I think it's okay for there to be attraction because there's human, totally. right? It's just follow through. Like if there's not consent within the relationship to follow through on those urges, mm-hmm. then that's where it's not okay. Right, exactly. Right? But ask the, um, but we're talking, me and you are talking from a position of doing work, okay? Yes, exactly. I like to talk to the people who are, haven't done the work and what they've been inundated with since they've been little kids about what right or wrong, everything's a divide. Everything is one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's either or. That's how we've been brought up. You got totally. committed. You get committed this way. You cannot have anything like this. If you have anything like this, that's bad. And then when you tell somebody that's bad, how many of us just want to do it because it's bad? And we're like, fuck it. I've already fucked up. I'm already done the bad thing. Our minds will keep going. And that's not bad. Like that is what I feel like so many men don't have a place to share those things with because a lot of the times... Sometimes I just want to talk about fucking and it goes away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like the, the lack of communication about it makes it grow. Yes. And that really is the paradigm. That was mine for 45 years, mm-hmm. right? Until I started really like analyzing me, my relationship, who I was in the relationship, who he was in the relationship, what it would have looked like if he had come and had, <clears throat> excuse me, these conversations with me you know, and how it could have been differently if that communication had been there instead of, you know, the behind the back, the lying, the cheating and everything, mm-hmm. you know, and along with it. What, what, what do you think your relationship, what do you, how do you, I guess you can't go back in time, no. but if, if, if someone, and I, and I, now that I know this, I think that if I came from the position of someone who's healed and said like, this is my desire. And I shared that with my wife. I really feel like I could have it all. I really feel like it because the comfort of sharing, knowing that someone is sharing those things with you breeds that security. Yeah. It's the vulnerability. It's a vulnerability. And there's a security there knowing that that person sharing you with their desires in their heart. Most men are taught to think that, Oh, women, no, I can't share that with them because she's going to blow up. She's going to say, what the fuck are you doing? Why do you want to be with anybody else? Something's wrong with me. And she might actually do that because she has her issues too. 
Totally. <laughs> so, so, so it's the, so she actually might say that. So it might be actually valid, but it's not about the other person. It's about me living my truth and being able to express that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about having those conversations that might destroy the marriage. And I think that that's the problem. People are afraid to have the conversations that might break up the marriage, but those mm-hmm. are the conversations that you need to have. And I've mm-hmm. often you know, like told friends going on walks, like if he had come to me and talked to me, it could have been different. Right. And yes, it totally would have triggered my not worthy, not good enough, all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But getting down to needs and desires now that I'm looking from at things from a more emotionally mature standpoint and a wider view, Mm -hmm. right? You know, eventually, you know, I think that everything, well, I don't know because I can't go back, but I can speculate, right? Possibly things could have been reworked. Right. Well, I, I really think that anything can be worked in, a, in the context of conversation and connection, right? Totally. So anything can be evolved. I mean, it, there's the world is abundant with millions and billions of possibilities. I mean, it could have been, I mean, I could have been something like, well, my wife could have said, well, you can go watch porn three times a week and I'll watch it with you. Who knows? Like the conversation, we don't know what could have happened in the conversation if I would have been strong enough to have that conversation. I have no idea, but the unknown is so scary. And so it's easier not to be in it because it's just so much scarier to not know what would happen. Yeah, let's talk about that fear because there is a fear that you're going to lose a person that you're with. I mean, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Mm. I even have that fear now because... Hmm. it's you know there's so many things conceptually we understand you know like conceptually I understand like well if we're supposed to be together we're supposed to be together all these lines that we all say well if it's supposed to be together we're supposed to be like if we really believe these little one-liners then we would have these conversations but innately I don't believe them because I would have a million conversations with my with my ex at that time and even now, like there are conversations that I'm not having, like that's straight up, like I'm still on my path to have these conversations. And so I know there's things I'm not having, and you know why I'm not having them? Because I don't want to be like, well, she's not going to want to be with me and there's something wrong with me. Like I still have these desires. Like it goes all the way back to that same thing again, you know, and when really I know from our training, you know, like we're sovereign beings, right? Mm-hmm. So if I really believe I'm a sovereign being, wouldn't I say anything? Wouldn't I, wouldn't I communicate about anything if I really believe that? Because ultimately, my freedom lies within my ability to be true to myself, which makes me the best contributor to my family, to my kids, to everybody that I'm in contact with. So is that just a redefining of relationship for you? Well, well, I, I think it's I think it's a constantly redefining a relationship. If I'm really growing and we're evolving like we do, then it's a constant redefining of the relationship. Because one month from now, it could be totally different. One month from now, I could be like, you know what? Maybe this monogamous or uh, open relationship or whatever we might have or whatever you people might have, maybe this isn't for me. And it's like, we well one of the things like I told them crazy because I'm like this 
right? I'm all over the place, right? So something's wrong with me because I'm emotionally feel this way or I want to do this, you know, or, or I've changed after six months, you know, like this is not how I want. I was thinking this, but now I don't want to do this, you know, like there's something wrong. If you understand, like the context of this conversation seems to go always go back to something being wrong, right? Not allowing myself to just be okay with where I'm at. To have compassion for where I'm at right now. I was meditating this morning and um, one of the things that I really deal with a lot is I create scenarios. Like something happens and I've made up a whole story, a scenario, what's going to happen for my conversation that I've never had and that I think. And I live into these scenarios. It's like, that's really what's going to happen. And those scenarios stop me from having those conversations. Oh, and so many people do that. That is a real thing. Yes. Oh my God. Your head that's, it's already happened before you even talk to the person, haven't even given the person a chance mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. their part in your, rea- your mm-hmm. imaginary reality. Mm-hmm. Yes. And be in totally and have that person be the reason why I'm not doing it. Well, they're not open to this conversation. You know, like me saying that to them, like they're not open, even though I haven't had the conversation with them. You know, and so because my scenarios and I think scenario, which is so funny, the scenarios that I create have been awesome for business because I'll think of something like, oh, shit, I'm going to do this, this, this and this and this and then make it happen. Right. But it's the same thing in the scenarios that I don't want too. it goes down the same road. So it's like being conscious of when I'm doing that versus when I'm just creating what I want versus scenarios of what I think is going to happen that is disempowering. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting though. So how can you take these scenarios that may be disempowering and maybe flip them and create a scenario that could be empowering? Meditate. (laughs) (laughs) Like I would love to say I could just flip it in the conversation, but those scenarios that I create that are disempowering are are, um, core wounds, core, core issues. And so I have to get to the, I have to get to, um, you know, like if I'm on, if I'm going zero to 60, I have to get to zero to be able to create 60 the other way, right? I can't just going 60 miles per hour, flip it and turn it, you know? I have to stop my mind, get to nothing, and then create something new because I can't create a new scenario out of the scenario that I've created. I have to remove that scenario and then create a whole nother context. And for me, that requires my mind to not be thinking my mind to stop and then start and create something new so true and they're really gateways there's yeah they're gateways to our wounds Mm -hmm. totally gateways and And it's total work to shift it so it's really it's such it's it's work but man that euphoric feeling of knowing that I don't do the same things that I did anymore is so empowering. And it's, it's hurtful sometimes too, because in the middle of knowing I have to have this conversation or something like that, it hurts while I'm having it. I'm scared. I'm like a little kid still, you know, talking about things that I'm like a little kid talking about things that I'm scared about, you know, and, but I still have to do it, you know, but it doesn't make it any easier, but it's a choice. You know, and it's not a choice that this is randomly made. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna muscle up and make this choice. No, it's not a muscling through and making the choice. It's like literally, 
what do I need to do to get to a space where I can create and make this and have this conversation that's very difficult for me. Can you unwrap that a little bit more for men and women who might be in your position and going through the same thing you are? In, in the choice? Mm-hmm. About the choice? About the work, your inner work. Oh boy. Um, I mean, like, it's stuff, you know? You know, like, here's the great thing I understood about the inner work. You don't necessarily have to talk about the issue to solve the issue or to get over the issue. The issue is in all different layers of life. It could be in a conversation with your child. It's the same wound that you feel in a conversation with your lover. So it might be easier to have a conversation with your child, which totally will affect how you deal with your lover because you're still, you're still overcoming something that is difficult. A lot of the times I think that I have to nail the most toughest thing first, you know, go attack that big lion and wrestle it down. But I don't have to do it that way. There's other little lions in my life that are just like the big lion that I can totally take down those things too. A lot of the times I use my kids, like my kids are easier for me to have these conversations with, to bear my soul, to share things that I think that they'll think I'm dumb or they'll think I'm not, you know, smart or whatever. So my kids, I can use that to build strength too. So it doesn't necessarily have to have the difficult conversation with your lover or that person right now. You can do other things that can build and strengthen your muscle to have that conversation. I mean, it took me forever to admit like, Liz, I fucking love women. I love women. Like I adore them. I love looking at them. I love talking to them. They give me energy. I just love the feminine. I just love women. I love connecting with women. I love all of that. And to say that, like, it feels so freeing to say that. Like I never was able to say that because I shouldn't love women. I shouldn't love smelling us, looking at them when they walk by and when they smell good, I'm like, "Mm, I love it. You know, it's just like, I love them. I love women. And I've always loved that, love women. I just used it as a way to be able to not be connected And it was something that I used for evil. And even my wittiness, you know, like my ability, I was always really good at talking to women. I was always really good at um, being, well, this is funny. Women, I got so much validation sexually and I got so much validation that I would make women feel really good. And I was really nice. I was never the asshole guy who fucked a lot of women, right? I was always the guy who hung out with women. I wouldn't have sex and just leave. I'd hang out with them. I'm just fun, you know? Like as long as we're having sex, I'm cool, you know? And I was never that mad, like asshole type of guy, which, which had me continually continually want to collect more and more you know but it what it the feeling that i had from connecting with women didn't really it wasn't really a bad feeling it was the reason why i was doing it that was the feeling and i couldn't separate that i didn't know that i collapsed both of those things together that it was Oh, the fact that I connected with women, that was bad. No, I really don't think it was bad because one thing I was, I was always honest. I was communicative. And so I felt like, well, take that back. College, no, I was a whore and I was not honest, okay? But as I, you know, as I got divorced, it was a freedom for me to be able to share because I didn't know that you could be honest with women and still have sex with them. I thought that you had to lie to them. 
for them to be able to have sex with you. And really, I didn't realize that being honest was, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. I can just tell the truth. I'm like, they already seen somebody else. I'm seeing somebody else. Like it was a whole freedom. And I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I didn't get divorced in 2016 to experience that. I didn't know. I didn't know that that being honest was something that was accepted and I could still get what I want. Wow. I can feel that too. When you were, there was so much free. Okay. So the last three minutes when you were talking, there's the value of freedom and being able to say that you love women. That's just how it is. Right. And then the value of what you learned that you could be honest, you could have, you could talk to these women and tell them the truth. You know, there's freedom in that too. And I really feel the value of freedom when you're talking, you know, so let's talk about that a little bit more, unwrap it a little bit more about what you learned during your process, you know, around what your needs, desires, and values were and how you've brought that into um, how you're living your life now. Well, one of the, like my, thought around sex so it's so funny my thoughts around sex was that I was really freaky and then I realized all of my friends like when I older I got, I'm like oh I'm not I'm just a guy who likes to have sex I'm not like crazy shit you know not that it's crazy as in bad but like just different out, outliners so me going to Ista and me doing Kudoshka which oh that's one other thing I did Kudoshka I don't know if you've heard of that before yeah explain what is that Kudoshka is like Ista's cousin um, it's like a sexual um, thing. You go with couples and singles and it was like really dealing with um, trauma around sexuality and like all of the things that we built up around sexuality being right and wrong. It was like the sexual landmark. It was amazing. It really brought me to, that's really got me to like, oh, I can be honest. I can just share that this is what I want, you know? And I never knew that that was a possibility and kind of like, um, and so me getting to that place where I knew I could share that Kudoshka was like my bridge to doing that. And so now that freedom that I had, I don't think that me and my ex, Tarly would have um, got back together if I didn't deal with this in 2016 till now. Uh, if I didn't deal with like my, my expression around sexual, sexuality. But we wouldn't have because there was so much guilt with it before. And I don't think that we would have gotten past that because there was so much guilt there. I couldn't be with her. I couldn't be with myself because I looked at her and I felt guilty about shit that I did, you know, and climbing in a bed. I mean, how many times I climbed in a bed after cheating and just that feeling was just so, I'm telling you, it was one of the lowest feelings that I could feel. And I thought about that. I was under that feeling for 10 years, you know, like how much pain that is under 10 years, knowing that you're hurting somebody, knowing that I'm hurting myself and not feeling like I could do anything about it. So how did you guys work through that? Well, I think we're still working through it. Um, you know, it's really me. It's me being open to like, however she might be around it or how, um, I just think that we're in two different places. I like literally, we are two different people. The same two people we had to get divorced because those, those two entities had to divorce each other because those two entities were not meant to be together. And the entities now are totally two different entities. So it had to get broken for it to build something new. And this is in the last, you know, maybe six months, 
you know, that we've explored our relationship and doing this again, you know, and um, want to share something funny? It, it has nothing to do with the guilt and shame has nothing to do with sex. Like for instance, the guilt and shame is within me, no matter what subject she has cancer, you, as, as you know, she has cancer. And so I have guilt and shame about me doing anything like, well, maybe I shouldn't leave. Something's wrong. And I'm sitting here when I heard the Louise Hay thing, I'm like, I have the same feeling of guilt and shame that I had when I was cheating. I want you to get that. Like it has nothing to do with cheating. It has nothing to do with the other person. That guilt and shame is there. We just switched subjects. Now she has cancer. So now I have guilt and shame about if I want to go do something or if I want to go leave the house and go hang out with my friends. Like I feel guilty. I feel shameful. It has nothing to do with her. This has everything to do with me working through these things that I still will still come up. Like I want to go to Washington and hang out with you. I would love to do that. Feel guilty and shameful about that. Look, I can't do that because she's doing that. I want to go um, to um, go golfing with my friends for the weekend. You know, well, I don't know if I can do that. I shouldn't do that because that means that. And think about that. I understand conceptually about sovereignty, right? Mm -hmm. I understand that. Like I should be able to go see, like communicate. I can do that, right? But that guilt and shame is still there. It doesn't just go away. It's just something that I have to deal with in every moment because innately that's what's there. The only thing that's changed is my consciousness around it and my desire to not live in that. Mm. So it's the guilt and shame that kept you hiding your behavior? Yes, 100%. Wow. <sighs> Powerful, Robert. Mm. I love all the information you're bringing. So, well, how old? Okay, you're coming, you're living in your guilt and shame. You're trying to come out of hiding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be a sovereign being mm -hmm. and you're trying to create this relationship after you've had this experience of cheating. Mm hmm. I'm, you just, no. when you, when you broke it down like that, I'm like, shit, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm like, that's a lot right there. You just summarizing that, you know, because all three of those things are going on at once. They're all going on right now. Only thing that's changed is I'm conscious of it and I know, and I can see it and I know where it's coming from, which means I actually have a choice. Yes. And, and meditating this morning, I was just really grateful for the awareness. I was grateful for being conscious because it really sucks to be in a place where you don't know, you, you, can't, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to change it. You don't know what to do. It really sucks. It's so disheartening. And now I look at it like, oh, thank God. If anything, it still hurts still feel guilty, but I'm like conscious of it. I have a choice to do something different. I have things in place that I could implement, even though I don't do it all the time, but I still have it there. You know, I have things that I could do. So what are some of these things that you can do that you can implement into your everyday life? Um, definitely um, not doing any work in the morning, setting my intention. I did that like a year ago, right around COVID, uh, like January of 2020. I, um, was just dealing in survival mode. All I could not get out of survival mode and I needed to do something different. 
so I just took on meditating like 120 days in a row, walking in the morning time around my little lake area where I live at and switching what my normal routine was and totally like my body taking a shock of like doing something totally different than what I'm normally routine. And that right there, changing that routine totally shifted my mind state because my mind and body's like, wait, we're not doing the same things like we used to. And then that really opened up new pathways for me to do something different. And so my routine is meditation. My routine is um, meditation. My routine is meditation. My routine is meditation. <laughs> like it is meditation. And me being able to meditate, slow my mind, be conscious, bring me into my day, and then having conversations that are difficult. But I can have conversations that are difficult because I really am putting myself first and trusting that I create everything I want, not by my action, but by my clarity of what I'm desiring and my focus. And then I get inspired action to create. So I don't have an excuse of I need to go work. I don't need to work. I can create work. I have a landscape um, architect company. I have vision consulting company where I have clients that I'd help them with their vision. And I don't have to create that. I literally focus and meditate and I attract that. And it's 180 degree different than what I was used to living. And so sometimes my mind wants to go back to the other way, but I literally am conscious of knowing if I'm feeling a certain way, that means I'm not doing those things. And it brings me back. And, um, and I want to, and I put things in my life to force me to do those things like this podcast, like me doing a um, clubhouse semi-podcast with Michael just to talk about things to keep that present to me so I have that support another thing is me reaching out to men um, I've always had a disconnect with men because I felt like um, I'm a unique man I'm emotional um, I am very uh, high energy but I'm very like um, I'm just emotional, I'm connected, you know, and I really know that about myself. So I would not develop those relationships with men. And then, oh, another thing, reading The Superior Man changed my life too. That book, The Superior Man was like a huge book for my life that like gave me context of what it really, what it really meant to be a real man and to be masculine, um, which I realized that I was not. And that transformed the way I was thinking too. I still carry it around with me like a Bible uh, because when I'm dealing with some of my ex, I'm like, <laughs> page 45. Okay. All right. So it's like, I remind myself to be that strong presence in the midst of the wavering sea, you know, and those kind of things are momentum builders. And they're also things that give me strength to be able to have those conversations because I prove to myself that I'm doing something different. Mm, that's great, Robert. And I really hear where your getting your needs met in different ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think was really key for you. Yes, definitely. Being able, thought it had to come from one source, you know, comes from so many different sources. Like the energy of fulfillment and connection can come from anywhere. It can come from nature. It can come from whatever I choose to have it come from, you know? So that to me was really important. That's cool. How have you created connection in a new way? Um, by um, honoring where I'm at. So understanding what my definition of selfishness is and being selfish. 
like literally being selfish for myself, taking care of myself, being selfish about what my needs are, being selfish about those things and just noticing how that strength, I can, I feel my aura. Sometimes, you know, if you get in a zone where you just feel the energy bouncing off yourself and I literally feel it when I get there, you know, and that energy affects the kids. I walk in the house and they know, you know, my kids know me better than anybody, you know, they know, you know, when I'm connected, they, they're excited that I'm meditating. They're like, oh dad, did you meditate? Like they love me meditating because they know what that does for me. They know that. And the example that I'm setting for my kids to take care of themselves first, especially my daughters, you know, Take care of yourself first, you know, don't, don't, don't lessen what your desires are for anybody else. And I want to set the example of daddy and mommy will go on vacation. Daddy will go and leave you guys for the weekend because I'm taking care of myself. I want you to do the same thing for yourself when you have kids. You take care of yourself. And that's the example that you can talk all you want, but if I don't show it, then it doesn't matter. Mm. And how are you and your wife finding a space to become sovereign beings together? Still a process, you know, I, I can't speak for her necessarily. Um, she, I think she's always been a sovereign being. My wife is just like, she's like going to do what she wants to do no matter what, <laughs> you know? And me on the other end, I'm like going to check in with her. You know what I mean? Like I'm the condition. And literally that's a cycle that we built because she's expecting underneath it all for me to check in with her, even though she knows I'm a sovereign being, but that's her thing. You know what I mean? She wants, she needs that too. Like, so the whole thing is just a dance, but ultimately I'm a hundred percent sure that she wants me to be a sovereign being and speak and speak what works for me, even though, see, here's the deal. This is a good one. Okay. So I'm going to leave. This is such a good one. You can't be a sovereign being and have an expectation that somebody's not going to be upset at what your desires are. You can't. Yeah. If people are people. Humans are humans. They're all dealing with what they're dealing with. For me to base my level of connection or my level of desire for myself based upon what someone else might react to, that's the same thing. It's in the same cycle, same rat race, same... A hamster circle. Same thing. So how strong must one be to say everything that's there for them? Brave and courageous. That was one of my uh, sankofa this morning was courageous, um, living with an open heart and um, conscious. So yes, it takes such courage to be able to share these things with the people that with people that you love about what your desires are in any aspect of life it takes mm-hmm. courage yeah it takes courage so what would you say to men and women who are experiencing what you experience what you're processing through to this day Wow. Um, I don't even know what I'd say, Liz. I guess I would say, because I don't think anybody could have told me anything. I had to get to, I had to get to my wits end to do something different. And I don't want to like, like sugarcoat it and be like, okay, well, if you, when you're ready, you're ready. Well, it really is true. When you're ready, you're ready. If you're, if you, if you're, if you don't, if you're tired of, 
things going the way they're going, and you ask the universe, you ask God, Jesus, whoever it might be for you, that you just want to do something different, I 100% believe the answer will come. Because I don't think there's any desire that we have that we really want and we ask for it that we won't receive. And so everybody's example is different. I can't speak to a billion people out there, but I can speak to one idea, which I think will affect a billion people out there. If you really want it, ask. Ask for help. Not from people. Maybe people will come up as your answer for help, but ask for help. And I believe if you ask for really desire and ask for help, you will get that help. Because I wanted help. I wanted to do something different. So I took steps to do something different. Awesome. And what's the final thought you want to leave our listeners with today? Um, <sighs> or is there something that you didn't talk about that it's really burning to be shared before we go? Mm, well, Love starts with acceptance and compassion for yourself. It, it, it looks like it's other people. It really does look like it's other people. I mean, like literally it looks like it, but it really isn't. It really is. What can I do right now that can take me one step forward in what I'm desiring? And it might be nothing, but nothing is still something. Nothing doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. Sometimes nothing is just a way to stop the madness of our mind and our, and our unconscious behaviors. So I guess I would leave with find a way to do nothing. Find a way to sit with yourself and do nothing and then ask for help. Ask for help. I just believe God, the universe, Jesus. I mean, I, there's never been a time, like people always talk about they struggled, right? But what if you're here? So obviously you made it through, okay? You might have to wait till the last, you know, uh, midnight hour, but you made it through. And you probably made it through because you asked for help and you released the resistance and, you, and then it comes. So it's not like you haven't asked for help all your life and gotten the answers. Just ask. That's all I got. Yes. I agree. That's great. Yeah. Oh, so much, so much in the last hour. Thank you, Robert. I know I'm going to go back and listen. I recommend everybody go back and listen. <laughs> want to go back and listen to the whole thing. Yes. Oh, thank you, Robert. Robert, oh, thank everybody. You. Thank you so much for having me on Liz. You, it's been a great experience for me to share this and, um, and just to feel love, you know, feel love for myself. And I love you, Liz. And thank you for just being open in a conversation. Thank you for sharing. And just thank you for giving me an outlet to share it because it made a difference for me too. Thank you, Robert. Love you too. And I'm love so you. glad that you approached me about this topic because I think it's an important topic. Yes, for I'm real. to be bringing it to the listeners. Awesome. Thank you for sharing yourself. No problem. Thanks for having me, honey. Awesome. All righty. All right. And thank you everyone for joining me today. Again, this is Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm Liz Peterson, and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Raise the Vibe with Liz. Remember to like, share, 
and subscribe and find me on Liz's healing touch.com. Thanks everybody. Remember to get out there and raise the vibe. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to today's show on Raise the Vibe with Liz. If you like this content and want to support me, please go to Patreon at Raise the Vibe with Liz or click the link in the description of this show. And remember, change starts with you. So get out there and raise the vibe. Thank you, everyone.